Yeah, there may be some people still parking. (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. Let me pray. Father, thank you for these moments, um, these few moments uh, that we have here. Would you meet with us? Would um, Would you teach us from your word and those that have reflected on the things that you have revealed? So uh, give us tracks to run on and, and a better understanding of how this, uh, this uh, means of grace uh, prayer works. So teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I wanted to begin with, um, uh, by the way, just because I'm likely to forget, there are a few more copies of this book on the bookshelf out there. I think they're five. They are $10.00. If you intended to grab one, there's still some there. Uh, it's just the, um, a book that this discussion, this three-part discussion is based on. So um, if you, if you want to keep, keep thinking about this, that, that's a good resource. Um, here's a passage that you, that you know about. Uh, you, may not, you may have trouble turning to it unless you were prompted in some way, but this is tucked away in Hebrews, and it's where we get this picture of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who is actively working today. He's, he's working right now. Um, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's not just people coming into the faith. That's people who are in the body of Christ. That's you. That's me. Christ lives to make intercession. So there, there is where, that's one of the pegs that we hang this prayer life, this prayer discussion on, is that Christ is our great high priest. He is actively praying for you. Um, and, and then my, my one, my one, I tried, I couldn't figure out how to review everything we've done in two weeks. I just picked one key notion that we talked about last week. And that is, he's not the only one. (laughs) He's not the only one who's interceding for us, but from Romans eight, we read and understand that the Holy spirit intercedes from within us. Jesus in heaven is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit in us from within is interceding. And I loved these words uh, from um, Palmer, was the, the man who uh, Doug Kelly cites. I mentioned that last week. I, I left it off the, the previous century. And in his connecting the dots and helping us, and it's some very helpful words, I think. Uh, the Spirit takes what Jesus is praying. Remember, our great high priest is praying for us. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus is praying and makes or causes us to pray it. So when we pray, we have a great high priest in heaven. We have an intercessor in, inside who resides within, taking what Jesus is praying for us, and he is the one who prompts our prayers. You know those prayers that we kind of stumble through, you know, and 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 we and we start off in one direction and we and we go in another and and what is it that actually gets us to to pray to begin with? It's the Holy Spirit prompting us. And um, 
And even as we uh, tend to use some of the same phrases, you know, every time we pray, I'm, don't, don't our prayers sometimes sound like yesterday's and the day before? And, and you wonder, am I, am I really praying right if I'm just so, 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 such a stumbler over what to pray? The grand beauty of this, we have a great high priest who knows what we need. We have an intercessor inside who takes what Jesus is praying for us and prompts us. So he takes our our feeble prayers, our kind of routine prayers, and prompts us to pray, and he turns them into something grand and glorious. That's this. So let me continue. This is how our intercessions re-echo the intercession of the great high priest who appears in heaven for us. Then the secret will known to the great high priest and the Father is re-echoed in some way in our praying by the Spirit who comes from the Father and the Son. That's how our prayers, based on God's, that should be revealed will, gets in line with what Deuteronomy calls the secret will of God. Um, That's the place where it says... Uh, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are mysteries. There are things that God accomplishes in this world, and and we don't, we can't read it perfectly. It's not revealed to us, and we we don't see what He is actually doing all the time, right? Uh, if if ever, <laughs> sometimes you we wonder, do we ever really see what He's doing? But He takes our prayers, and they are effective. That's one of the things. Um, one of the things we said last week, and John Frame is our teacher here, who, who says there's actually three reasons that we pray. The subtitle of our, some people have come in. If you need the handout, there's some in the back, and there's a few right here. Yeah, there's some back there. Yeah. Um, John Frame says there's three reasons that we are to pray. The subtitle is, if God already knows why pray, here are three reasons. One is we're commanded. <laughs> That's normative. That's the normative reason. That's his language for it. Um, that by itself should answer our question. You know, why do we pray? Well, we're told to. Uh, there, that doesn't answer all of our questions, does it? Uh, we've talked about that, and we're going to get to more of that uh, today. But one reason is that we're commanded to. Another reason is um, what he calls existential, an existential reason. And that, just to remind those that were here, uh, that's referring to the fact that we experience fellowship with our Father. In prayer, uh, there's, there's a dynamic there. Um, sometimes that's really when you actually feel the closest to God is in those moments of prayer that happen often enough, perhaps, for you to feel like there's a relationship here. There's an experience. And, and we know that um, that he meets us here. He's promised to hear our prayers. Uh, so that's two reasons. One is it's commanded. Another one is that we experience fellowship with the Father, that we finally know that he's heard our prayer, um, even if we haven't yet seen an answer to it. So that's two reasons. You need more reasons? <laughs> uh, in one sense, probably not. But there is a third reason, and that is what he calls situational, and that is prayer actually changes things. It does change things. And the big reason that we're, the, the, the thread that runs through these three weeks together is that we pray because God has ordained the means as well as the end. 
we've, we talked about the providence of God. He's in control. Does he need to know anything that, that we, are we telling him things he doesn't know? Of course not. How does he use our prayers? We're going to get to that. But the fact is he's ordained that the, the fact that we pray is how his will is implemented. It, it pulls the trigger. <laughs> now it may not be as soon as I pull the trigger, you see results. It's not like the vending machine where you put a coin in and you usually get what you're uh, looking for. Um, or the old, remember phone booths, you know, where you, <laughs> it's not that kind of thing. But there's a reason that sometimes we pray longer and more people are praying and God's timing and we'll get to that. So that's three reasons. Um, we're told to, that should be enough. We experience fellowship with the Father often enough, not constantly. Sometimes our prayers are dry and we walk away and say, well, I don't know. But, but there's enough going on that we actually experience uh, a Father in heaven who is good, who hears our prayer. And then finally, it actually changes things. Maybe not in the timing that we expect or assume or demand, but, but, but it is what God uses. The secondary causes is the, kind of the, the term. God is the primary cause. My prayers, your prayers are the secondary cause uh, to implement his, his will. But what I wanted us to talk about, we, we're um, going to run out of time, I'll just tell you. But... Um, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the silence of God. When, when God appears to say no, or when it, even, you may even go further, that if God appears not to hear, or you even wonder if God really cares. Um, I've borrowed words from uh, three different um, helpers uh, along this line, and the first one uh, is John Calvin, who says, Besides, if God even grants our prayers, he does not always respond to the exact form of our request, but rather seems to hold us in suspense. You recognize that? Yeah. Nevertheless, in a remarkable way, Calvin says, he eventually shows us our prayers have not been in vain. Eventually shows us our prayers have not been in vain. This is what John's words mean when he writes, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. And it may not be in the form, it may not be in the time, but, but God answers prayer. Now this may seem to be a rather repetitive collection of words, but the assertion in fact, is extremely practical because it tells us that God, even when he does not comply with our wishes, is still attentive and kindly disposed towards our prayers. Remember, so last week we talked about the fact that he is touched by our weakness. When, when we come to him and acknowledge weakness, he is touched by that. It affects him and he acts upon it. This means that any hope based upon his word will never disappoint us. So believers need to be patient, sustained by his truth, since they could not stand very long if they did not rely upon it. That's Calvin. Um, the forms, uh, he may not answer uh, our, our prayers in the form that we pray it, but he hears our prayers as Calvin's take. And this is Palmer again when he says, those things we have been pleading are not ultimately denied by God. Instead, he gives us the true, you get ready? The true underlying intention of our prayer, which was what the Holy Spirit was asking for within us. We, we only see in part, 
And we see a remedy, and that's what we're praying for a remedy, but there's an underlying intention that we're after that God knows. He picks up and he says, I hear your prayer, I see that, and I'm gonna do something along those lines. <laughs> is another way of saying that. It's a way, that's my paraphrase of, of Palmer. Um, our mistake was that we interpreted the restriction he placed on our wants as something he denied us. Yet the real blessing was conveyed in another form, which perhaps prevented danger or trouble that would have resulted if we had received it in the form we first requested. Um, I think somebody made the comment last week that sometimes we hear this phrase that, that if God doesn't answer our prayer, he gives us something better. Um, better is a relative term and, and, and not always the best term. He gives us something different often along the lines that in the end may, would turn out for God's glory. Um, we, don't, we don't understand why we're praying for someone to live and they die they die a tragic death. How does that glorify God? We can't see that. We can't, we can't connect those dots. But it, but it could be as simple. One thread to that, since I've raised it, is, is how we respond to tragedy with hope in this world shines a light on the gospel that, that, is, that is seen in no other way. You've watched people perhaps deal with tragedy and the way they, with the gospel, the way they deal with tragedy says to a watching world, there must be something to this. And, and that's not to say God causes death for his glory. It's that he uses all things for his glory. And the timing of, of the length of someone's life is in God's hands. None of us are promised tomorrow, Right. And that's always true. We assume we're going to live to 80-something or, or beyond, you know. But, yeah, uh, God has a grand story, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. So any, I'm going to pause there. Any comments? For, well, that's a lot in a short amount of time, but you seem to be tracking. I'll give you a quick, short story. Quick, short story. Okay. She was engaged to a man. He broke it off. Broke my heart. And for two years, I continued to pray that he changed his mind. Instead, Bob walked <laughs> And we know the rest of the story. <laughs> uh, yeah, God broke off. A, a relationship broke off, and, and God had another path. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. We probably all have similar stories, even if they're not... Um, romantically based. Um, yeah, but uh, here's Keller's words. When you struggle in prayer, you can come before God with the confidence that he is going to give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that earlier, and it's just, you know, think about that, okay? We, we could discuss it, but the reality is we don't know everything he knows, and he is up to good. We know that, even if it doesn't even it doesn't fit our categories of what we desire, but, but he knows more than we do for sure. So what happens when God doesn't answer our prayers or doesn't answer them right away? 
Um, these are some threads I've pulled just from various places, and, and one handle on that is other things have to happen first. That passage in Galatians 4 is in the fullness of time. Uh, God sent his son. It was at there. Why, did, why was Jesus not born earlier? There was a reason. <laughs> there was other things had to, be, uh, had to occur. And, and you can think the same way about many of our prayers. So we lay something out. And you've heard the stories of somebody that prayed for somebody for 40 years. And finally, there was a conversion. Or the conversion didn't happen in their lifetime but it was a grandmother that prayed for a granddaughter and that granddaughter came uh, to faith uh, uh, down the road. Other things have to happen first. Uh, hang on to that notion. That's going to come up again. Um, in Luke 18, um, that parable of the unjust, um, of the judge and the persistent widow, um, that, that is a lesson in persistent prayer to keep praying, but there's a context for it to keep in mind that that parable is dealing with justice. That's what she's after for in that. In that. And actually the chapter before in Luke 17, what we're, what we're hearing about is the coming of the kingdom. So there's a persistence that is to mark our prayers. That, that episode, that parable is primarily about justice and the coming of the kingdom. So just keep that one in mind. Um, Doug Kelly says, there's an activity behind the scenes. I love this. Prayer rearranges seen and unseen factors. God may not be ready to bring about those particular changes, until we have prayed long enough for all the component parts to be in place. We're praying one thing and he says, I got you, I hear that. And there's some other things related to that that have to occur before that prayer is answered. And so we're praying, Lord, not only for that event or that circumstance, but for everything related to it. It would be a, would be a helpful way to pray. Um, and we don't know what those things are. But again, we're, we're stepping into the, to the hands of a loving father who, who does know. And so, Lord, in your time and whatever else needs to occur for that to occur, would you, would you see those things through? And I'm going to keep knocking. And I'm going to keep after that because you've told me to. But I'm trusting you in the, in the big picture of where that need fits in your, in your tender mercies. Okay. Um, so that's one reason I'll go through these three and then we'll pause again. Um, one is other things have to happen first. The second one, this is the back page, um, our sin. <laughs> that's, that is a reason that sometimes prayer is not answered in James one. We're talking, he's talking about the double minded person who lacks faith. We talked about that briefly, but, 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 but to be double-minded or later on in James to pray for with wrong motives or for our own passions. That's the, the language in James four um, that we're praying. Um, we're praying selfishly without recognizing it as such, uh, or we're, we're praying with double minds. And, and that is something that we just wanted to say, Lord, would you, would you expose me? Would you help me see what my real motives are? Would you, help, would you give me a single-mindedness on, on these things? The passage in Psalm is one that um, sometimes we stumble over. It's where 
where the psalmist says, if, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. The key word there is cherished. Uh, it's God hears the prayer of sinners, right? I mean, we would all be in trouble uh, were that the case. But if I'm cherishing iniquity in my heart, the Lord wants to deal with that. And, and it's, that's where um, we pray and ask God to help us see where this prayer is coming from. You know, am I, am I dealing with um, the brokenness of my own life before you in a way where I'm dependent upon you, on your mercy and your grace? And then ultimately, um, this, is, this is similar to the first one. It could have been grouped together, but God's sovereign purposes. Jesus' prayer on the Mount of Olives, Lord, take this cup away from me. He prayed it more than once, right? Take this cup away from me, but not my will, but yours. There was a sovereign purpose that outweighed Jesus' sincere request to take this cup from me. When we pray on the basis of the revealed will, we are lining ourselves up with the person of God and thus with the secret purposes of God. His secret purposes are carried out through the praying of his saints on the basis of his revealed will in Scripture. So those are just some handles on uh, things that have to happen before prayers are answered or why they aren't. There may be sin I do need to deal with. He he deals with me and he deals with prayers and, he, and he's eager uh, for me to repent, to come to him in faith and dependence, with single-minded devotion to him with a sincere request. And he hears that. Comments? You tracking? You look like you are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, so this is all these are related. Why are specific, answers to specific requests delayed so long? How long are we to per- pray for a particular request? You ever wonder that? Do we keep praying and when do we stop or when do we change it? And this is, these are the words we hear in Scripture. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? Save me, O oh God, I'm worn out for calling for help. Um, This is Keller's partial answer to that. We should be willing to pray with temerity and perseverance, waiting months, even years, for God to answer some things. So hang in there. Just just hang in there. Keep going. Our prayers for an unbeliever to turn to Christ, Jerem Bars writes, or for a straying fellow believer to repent of his or her sin and to become obedient to the Lord should probably never cease. As long as we have life and breath, for we know that God loves to save and we know that is his people's growth in righteousness. So there's some prayers that we don't stop. What about health and troubles in the world? Do we pray for the paraplegic to walk? We don't know the precise nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12. Paul prayed three times for removal and then stopped when he sensed God telling him that he would have to endure the thorn. His calling was to pray for grace. Hear this. His calling was to pray for grace to endure the thorn, to pray for God's strength to sustain him in his ongoing weakness. That's how I want you to pray for me if I ever am paralyzed. Um... Pray for grace to, to endure and for uh, God's strength to sustain 
in, in ongoing weakness. Um, we didn't spend as much time on Luke 11 as I, as I would, have, would have hoped. <clears throat> that's, the, that's another of the parables of prayer where Jesus promises that God always gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. That's true about our prayers for one another to endure trials, to grow in faith and in obedience. Um, you, you, we ask and God hears and he delivers and what he delivers in Luke 11 is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the one who intercedes, the one who empowers, the one who helps us endure, the one who facilitates the fellowship of the Father. And there is a huge link between prayer and the Holy Spirit. Just read Luke. Read Luke and Acts together and you see the work of the Holy Spirit in a life of prayer and it's interwoven throughout that, that two book set called Luke and Acts that um, it's, it's constantly, they're constantly being connected. And, and I just, I think as we think about how do we um, sort of Re reshape the way we pray and how we pray. It is the work of the Spirit. It is His work in us, and 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 that's uh, how we are to how we are to move forward is recognizing the work of the third person, the Trinity, who is who is at work, <laughs> who is a who is a gift to us, who is an encourager, who is who indwells and intercedes and prompter. He prompts us to these things. Um, this is, these next two, I think, are both from Brian Chapel. God may answer yes, no, not yet, or beyond all we ask or imagine when it's obvious that God's will is not to answer our prayer as we are offering it, then altering our prayer without doubting his goodness expresses our submission to his lordship and love. Um, I should have tried to think of an example of that and uh, didn't, but, but I think you get the point. If, if there's an unanswered prayer, I just simply want to, I may, I may want to change the form of that prayer um, to expand it, um, to, to include something that I haven't yet laid my eyes on or set my heart to. Uh, but to but to to recognize that God is good, and things need to happen, and I want to pray for God's will. We, we when we pray in light of God's revealed will, we we are on track. <laughs> and um, one of the ways I I'm trying to learn how to pray better is, along those lines is to pray in light of the character of God. So if if there's a prayer request that we have in mind, that I have in mind, I'm trying to think, what is it about the character of God that matches that request? And pray, and Marge mentioned this last week, as the prayer group meets week after week, it, they're, we're, they're starting in the presence of God with who he is. And as I rush to him with my intercessions and my pleas, the, the best way to, to go that route is to take into account the character of God that addresses that. God, you are God of mercy. Would you have mercy on this family? Because you are merciful. And, and as you answer that question, this is what I will do, what we will do in response. 
to sort of order our prayers, uh, fill them out rather than simply kind of the grocery list that we tend to develop, you know, checking off when, we, when it's answered, but to pray in light of the character of God for that need or that, that situation and then think through what would it look like for us to live in response to, to, his, to his answer. We can't always trust that the good shepherd has a perfect and loving plan for our lives. When our, pri- when our prayers reach a dead end, the Bible assures us that God has a, here it is, better path. Um, but at least a different path, a fuller path. We continue to pray in accordance with God's will when we d- redirect our prayers to asking for his help to walk faithfully in the new path with confidence that he will never forsake us. Um, just for time's sake, I, I did not intend to sort of blow through these, these, these big matters and happy to hear any comments you have or questions. But I, I do want to try to cover what's here and then we'll pause. Um, the ultimate answers are hidden in the wisdom and goodness of God. You can underline that one. The ultimate answers are hidden in the wisdom and goodness of God. But Scripture offers some insight that may encourage us in hard times. One of the reasons that we have to keep on praying is that in some mysterious way, Satan hinders our prayers. He is active in the unseen world and cannot stop them from being answered if we continue with perseverance. But you can look at the reference there. Uh, there's this kind of oblique reference to the prince of Persia. <laughs> there are spiritual forces at work, and that's not to alarm you, that's to alert you. And just to recognize that, the, that, that we have an enemy who, who can hinder our prayers at some level. At least that's the case in Daniel. And if it's the case there, uh, it's just to pray, it's to recognize... Um, by the way, somebody just recently, I'm reading tons of things on prayer right now, and, and somebody wrote, prayer is our primary means of spiritual warfare. It's also our primary means of service, but it's our primary, that's where warfare occurs is when we, reckon, when we sit down and, and recognize that we do have an enemy. And so we pray for protection. We pray for boldness. We pray for, for, the, for the king of this world to, um, to restrain evil in this world, including our own situations, our own circumstances, our own church, our own community, that, that God would restrain evil in the world. That should be a part of my um, daily praying. Um, in fact, the Lord's Prayer sort of leads in that way. Where we're talking about the kingdom to come, that we recognize that there's a, there's a, there's a war that rages. So... Um, prayers are never wasted. I mentioned this one, I think, the first week we were here about the water mill. This is, this is the illustration that I found helpful. Um, the water that fills uh, up a pond that turns the wheel of the mill, that causes the, mill to, the, 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 the wheel to turn and grinds the grain but uh, our prayers are like the water droplets that fill up that pond. And until the pond is full, until certain things, other things have to happen, until enough people are desperate, <laughs> God uses all of those things to accomplish his will. And so our prayers aren't wasted if, they're the, if they are water going to the pond that will eventually turn the wheel. 
If you find that helpful, hang on to it. Um, I just I wanted to, um, to to close, and then I, I would love to hear from any of you just thoughts that you have as we wrap up this short series where we've bitten off a lot in, in three weeks. But um, uh, these words from Psalm 77 may sound familiar to you, to you at some point. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Now we know the answer to that. There's a gospel on the heels of that. But that is maybe sometimes how we feel if we have unanswered prayers over a period of time. Uh, Paul Miller's book, The Praying Life, um, I just pulled a few things from that that I found along um, to address that matter. Paul says, I find that the closer my prayers are to the heart of God, the more powerfully and quickly they are answered. So I want to know the, the, the heart of God. What are his priorities? What are his values? And I want to pray not just for my needs, but for his glory and his revealed will. And if I can attach my needs to his revealed will, I'm praying in line with him. And Paul says, those are the ones that I find more powerfully and quickly answered. So hey, just think about that. I often find that when God doesn't answer a prayer, he wants to expose something in me. We're in dialogue with the personal divine spirit who wants to shape us as much as he wants to hear us. Um, that has um, a tie back to the fact that, that we do have sin that needs to be exposed. God takes everyone he loves through the desert. It is his cure for our wandering hearts, restlessly searching for a new Eden. Um, there, there will be dry times in my life and yours. There will be times when prayers seem unanswered um, because God is up to something bigger. When we don't receive what we pray for or desire, it doesn't mean that God isn't acting on our behalf. That should be rather, he's weaving his story. Watch for the story God is weaving in your life. Um, I think that's something that we all can... Um, Choose to pay attention to. God, what are you doing in me? I thought this, but you thought that. You know, one time I wanted to be a healthcare administrator. Well, I'm so glad I didn't go that route. For those of you in healthcare, you know why. Uh, you know, there's a story that's being written, and, and we don't know what it is. All week, <clears throat> we, we can only see it from where we sit. And we can't see around the corner. And we can't really very well see behind us. We just can't take in everything that, that is a part of the story. But, but we trust a God who is up to something grand and beautiful. He's doing something. Um, and those unanswered prayers do not mean, if we don't receive what we desire or pray for, it doesn't mean that God isn't acting. He's up to something. When you persist in a spiritual vacuum, when you hang in there during ambiguity, you get to know God. Um, I think a number of you could probably echo that and say, yep, that's really where I really got to know God. And in, in, in just the, the persevering 
together uh, during ambiguity. Sometimes when we say God is silent, what's really going on is that he hasn't told the story the way we want it told. He will be silent when we want him to fill in the blanks of the story we are creating. We are creating. But with his own stories, the ones we live in, he is seldom silent. Um, well, those are just a few lines from uh, a very good book on that matter. Let me pause there. Just thoughts you have just as we... Huh? No, you're not. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that, there's, there's, more emphasis, there's more emphasis on prayers of thanksgiving than we've attended to in this little short series just because we're trying to deal with the kind of the thorny question of, of when God doesn't answer, why do we pray? But yes, absolutely, prayers of thanksgiving and adoration um, are where our prayers uh, begin and end. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, but you see all of those frequent prayers that way in scriptures following that category, but you see all of those frequently. And so my prayers and our prayers should be filled with thanksgiving, no doubt, and, and, and adoration. So the, the, um, and, and confession, we just haven't focused on those during this, these three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm missing something. Yeah. I need you to show me. Or, and it's usually something in my heart. Yeah. You know, it's something in my own heart. Like, love is both. But the second thing that I thought of is, um, you know, last week Ben preached on, you have to know the good, bad news, the good news to be really good. It's, I think, also true that it is not, we don't hear a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare. We don't hear a lot of teaching on the fact that we definitely have an enemy didn't die when Jesus was born. Um, and we almost feel like we shouldn't talk about it because it's scary. But until we know that's true, those verses that say we are we have died and we're hidden with Christ in God, I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places, I've been made an ambassador, those verses don't have a lot of value to me. They don't have the same amount of value to me when I don't realize I'm in a spiritual battle mm, that is way out of my league. Yeah. 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 Yes. And those realities become precious to me as I recognize the bad news. If I ignore the bad news, I just keep getting defeated. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Good, Mark. Just a couple of thoughts about um, prayer in general. If, uh, if you ever stop for just a moment and kind of imagine what the Christian life would be like. There were no such thing as prayer, you know, and how isolated from God you would feel. But I think the thing about it is when we pray about things and we're not getting the answers we want, when it's, you know, somebody be healed, somebody be saved, uh, you know, I think the 
it's really critical that we hold firmly to the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Because mm. if you don't believe that, it's easy to believe that there are things that just God just can't do. You know, yeah. that's defeating God. But if you know that He's sovereign and He's yeah. going to work all things for His glory, then even if even if the answer appears to us to be no or not yet, we can still have confidence. In yeah. It. Right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for that note. Yeah, we trust a God who is in control. I think another important thing is to remember the goodness of God. Back to the Garden of Eden. Yes. Satan against Adam and Eve was Yes. Um, Max Lucado has a new book called, uh, I don't know if it's new, but after before amen is the name of the it's about prayer <clears throat> and he says he's he's just watched looked at all the prayers in scripture and says they basically fall into this category um dear father you are good i need help they need help your kingdom come <laughs> That's his model prayer, and he's just filling in those. By, I mean, that's, that's great. You are good. All those things about God fall into that category. That's what reminded me of it. I, have, I need help. They need help. And you hear our prayers. Um, there, uh, the, the prayer group read a book by Megan Hill, and in it is this line from Martin Lloyd-Jones. There is nothing that tells the truth about us as a Christian people so much as our prayer life meaning that our practice of the demanding, countercultural, invisible, and uncomfortable work of prayer is an excellent test of our attitude toward the God who calls us to do it. The same could be said for churches. The local church tells the truth about her corporate spiritual condition by her practice of prayer together. Brian Chappell says, The Bible encourages corporate prayer because when God's people unite their hearts, they are more likely to encourage one another to pray, to examine the appropriateness of their prayers, to maintain their prayers, and to express thanksgiving for God's answers. And if you've ever had a prayer partner, you've experienced that. Somebody you're praying with regularly, there's, we, keep, we keep going. We don't give in as quickly. We don't lose our place. We don't give up. Which is why uh, there's a prayer group that has met faithfully for a long time uh, on Tuesday nights. And we're going to do something that, that I hope will include a number of you, if not most of you. Uh, we're going to take the first Tuesday of each month, starting January 7th, and have what we're calling a prayer summit, where we're gathering together to learn how to pray, to learn prayer. There's not a person in here who would probably say, yeah, I got that. Yeah, prayer, I've, I've mastered that. Let me move on to something else. No, it's, we want to come together and learn how to pray. We're going to do some, so there'll be some teaching, there'll be some, some exercises, and there'll be some practice where we will actually practice. If you don't pray aloud very comfortably, that's okay. You're, there's a place for you. But, um, but we're going to do that starting the first Tuesday in January and go throughout the year until, until we don't, you know, but that's the plan right now. And we invite you to, to think about that as a laboratory of sorts. Come together uh, for just over an hour, the first Tuesday of the month. We'll meet on the third floor here. And, um, and my ho- I'm going to facilitate this. And my hope is that, that we will all leave better equipped and, and, and better poised 
to pray well and to pray faithfully in light of who God is and, and what he's called us to be and do. So just there'll be some more announcements between now and then, but January 7th is soon. So I would urge you to put that on your calendar and come if you can, come as often as you can. Uh, they, they will be different. You know, we're not doing the same thing in January. We are in March. There'll be a different focus, different lesson and different piece. So just come as you can over the, over the coming months. So Lord, would you use that? Would you use this discussion we've had uh, with help from, uh, from others, just pulling together threads around this um, endeavor that you've called us to? We, we're reminded and delighted in the fact that you are good, that you are a father who gives graciously and generously beyond all that we ask or imagine. Would you teach us uh, how to trust that good, sovereign Lord, a Father who, who knows us and who hears us, who delights to hear us and keep us going and answer our prayers. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.